What would you do if money was no object? What more would you long for? What if you believed you had everything you needed to be rich starting today? That it's more of a decision you get to make and less of a status you're given? What if you're actually missing out on the more in life because you're concerned about having too little? Lots of people want to know how to get rich, but it's more fulfilling to be rich. Crossroads family, my name is Amber, and whether you're joining us on our campus or online, it's great to have you with us for our series, Be Rich. When's the last time you went without something you really wanted so others could benefit? The world spends a ton of money telling us to put ourselves first, but Jesus taught us to deny ourselves. So does this mean Christians should be poor? Today, Pastor Chuck will be showing us why denying ourselves actually leads to a richer life. Right now, let us welcome our senior pastor, Chuck Boer. All right. And welcome, welcome to everybody here on the patio online. We love that we get to be together wherever you are. And uh, I'm hoping today's an incredibly uh, a moving time uh, for all of us, not just some of us, all of us. And when we get towards the end, you can decide if that's true for you, but I hope it is. I really hope it is. Um, I uh, was talking to a man not that long ago. And uh, he was horrified to learn that a long-term employee had been stealing from them, but they didn't know it. It started a little at a time, and then it got worse and worse and worse, and then it came out at the worst possible time. So not only the fact that he felt betrayed, not only the fact that he had had, over the course of time, a pretty huge amount of money taken, but it came out at a time that it caused greater damage than he could imagine. And he said, I never would have dreamed it. I didn't suspect it. He said, I would say this, though, that in the early days I didn't suspect it, but something seemed wrong at the very end. Jesus said this in John 10, verse 10. Jesus said, the thief's purpose, the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose, Jesus said, is to give them a rich and satisfying life. You know what Jesus is saying right there? Jesus said, I've come that you might have, and you've known it this way, life and life abundantly. The New Living says, I've come that you might have a rich and satisfying life, but you need to know you're going to be in one camp or the other. You're going to be in a place where you're being stolen from, and it'll eventually lead to being killed on death and destruction. Or you can have life and life abundantly. So Jesus said, which one do you want? Which one do you want? See, everybody here, we have a choice. Do you want to live this life that Jesus has for you? That's amazing and incredible and filled with joy and gives you strength even in the most challenging times? Or do you want to have to live a life where you're, you realize either in little ways or big ways, it's not what you want it to be. See, this one woman was a thief that stole a little at a time, but it had an impact. But you know that sometimes someone who goes to steal from you, man, it's traumatic. So right now, there's some of you that Jesus is saying, I want you to know why I came. I came and walked this earth so you could have a life that you're made for. A life that is filled with love. A life where you're not torn down and dragged down. So right now, where are you with the Lord? 
See, that's the most important thing I can talk to you about right now. Because everything else we're about to look at won't matter if you're not right with the Lord. But Jesus couldn't love you more than he does. So some of you today, either online or on the patio or here, you came. You came knowing that there was something better. Maybe you were driving by like you heard in the video and, and just you knew God wanted you here for this moment. And I'm right now going to give you an opportunity to say yes to him. All of you who love the Lord, I want you to pray right now. Start praying for people. Because we believe this could be a moment. This could be an eternal, eternal moment for some of you to say yes to the Lord. And I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray you open your heart. It could be you're here right now and you're somebody who just this week was holding something in your hand. You thought, I, I should, this is killing me. And it is. It's wrecking your relationships. And, and you went to put it down and you took it back. Because you, what you need to know is you didn't have it, it has you. You could be free today. You could be free right now. There are some of you, you're walking around and there's this ache inside and pain inside and hurt inside. And the Lord says, but I've come to heal that. I've come to, to, to free you from that. Right now, you could have that. There's somebody here right now, your marriage is being ripped apart. And you wonder if there's any way to get it back, and there is. But you got to pray. you got to give your life to the Lord. So right now, I want to offer an opportunity for any of you to say yes to Jesus. Right now, right now, you're worth this moment. Jesus came so you could have this moment. That's his purpose, so you could have that abundant life. So right now, some of you, whether you're here or online, you need to say yes to him. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I pray right now for anybody who needs to open their heart to you and commit their life to you. God, there are some people who need to do this for the very first time. And Lord, I am so excited for what's about to happen for them and in them and, and to them. And I pray, Lord, that they would know this is their moment. And there are some that need to recommit. Oh, Lord, they need to come back. They know that at one time they knew you and they loved you. And, and now something's changed or they know what's changed. And I pray they're going to say yes to you. Right now, before I give you a chance to pray a prayer where you can commit your life to the Lord. Let's think about this. Is God touching you? Do you sense him? He loves you. You're this close. You're this close to having what he wants. Just pray this prayer with me. But right now, before we pray, Lord, I pray for people to pray it. I pray for people to come. If that's you, pray this prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, I know you love me. And I know you died on the cross for me. And you died for my sins. I pray you'll forgive me and cleanse me from all my sin. I pray you'll heal me from hurt and pain. And some of you, right now, you need to be healed. You need that pain gone, that hurt gone, that past gone. Say, I pray you'll heal me from hurt and pain. I pray you'll free me from anything or anyone that's holding me down or holding me back. And I pray that you'll make me yours. I pray you'll make me alive and I pray you'll make me brand new. 
So I say yes to you. And if that's all you can say, some of you right now, just say those words. I say yes. Jesus, I say yes to you. And I say yes to the life you have for me. So take me now and make me yours. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen if you prayed that prayer. Amen if you prayed that prayer. And if you prayed that prayer, I want to say praise God. If you prayed that prayer, that's the first step the Lord has for you. But there's another step to take. And that is, uh, if you're here online uh, in the building or out on the patio, we're going to stand and sing. And when we do, if you prayed that prayer, we want you to make your way to an aisle, make your way to the one of the aisles. If you're outside, make your way inside. Walk down one of these aisles, even the center one you could go around. Let us greet you. And then head in this room we call the living room. And in there we celebrate life. And that's why we call it living. And you're about to experience something. But let me tell you, the prayer you prayed matters. But when you make that walk, it actually goes a step deeper. It goes way deeper. It becomes more profound. It becomes more powerful. If you want to grab someone's hand and say, come with me, you can but don't hold back. So if you pray that prayer, I'm going to ask you to come. If maybe you're watching the video on baptism, you thought I should have got baptized, come. If you feel God just stirring, come. But some of you, this is your moment. Now think about it. This is your moment. This is your time. And by the way, if you're online, you can text amen to 77247 and be in on this. But right now, this is your moment. If God's calling you, if God's calling you, either text or come. Let's stand together. If God's calling, make your way and come. Praise God. Praise God. And you can go ahead and have a seat. <laughs> that cup just went flying. By the way, if you're online and you haven't uh, let us know that you made a decision, just go ahead and text seven, uh, amen to 77247 or go to crossroadschurch.family and you can click I said yes. Uh, today, I want to talk to you about something and end this message with something that I hope you're going to be as excited about as I am. And uh, what I want you to know is this message is for everybody, but in particular, more specifically, for those who are disciples of Jesus Christ. So if you're visiting, man, welcome. I love you get to hear this. It can make a difference in your life. If you're a believer, this is for you. This message is for you. And I want you to think back to those words we started with. In John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus said, the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Uh, we're talking about the idea of really, truly being rich. Now, rich the way Jesus said, obviously. Rich the way that you walk and feel like, you know what, Lord, my life could not in the end be better. Not always easy, but it's better. And the Lord said, that's why I came. That was my purpose. That's my desire for you. And I want you to think about that because this comes down to that abundant life that the Lord wants you to have. Uh, to get ready for this message and for the series we're in called Be Rich, because the Lord wants you rich in the right way, uh, I, I read 12 scholarly articles. Uh, I on purpose went and got them. Uh, I picked them out. Uh, of course, I didn't know what they were until I started reading them. And they were on one topic. And I got these 12 articles. And again, they're scholarly articles. And here's what was surprising. Get ready. They all agree. Now, some of you are going, oh, come on. 
Why would that be surprising, especially with what we're about to talk about? Well, I'll tell you why. Because whenever you get into that area of scholarship, like everybody wants to disagree. Does everybody know that? Like that's, so it's like, how could I disagree with this? And, and that's how I can make, but none of them could. 12 out of 12 in agreement. 12 out of 12 telling you what the Bible says, what I'm about to share with you, could not be more true. So all of these pointed to that. Now, by the way, the Bible could not be clearer on this. You cannot be a godly person and not live out what I'm about to tell you. It's impossible. If you're godly, you'll be this way. If you're Christ-like, you for sure will be this way. And God wired you to be this way. Jesus said, my purpose was to give you a rich and satisfying life. And, and if you act on this plus everything else he says, you will have that rich and satisfying life. So I was so intrigued by that. In particular, one of the studies was from the University of Pittsburgh. And it said this. It said, if you do what Jesus is calling for you to do, although they didn't name Jesus. <laughs> okay, so you know, University of Pittsburgh did not name Jesus. But they said, if you do this, and it is what Jesus is calling you to do, that here's the, you all find, stress and anxiety will be significantly reduced. Uh, you'll have a feeling of deeper sense of well-being. Uh, you're going to find yourself uh, physically feeling better, mentally feeling better, and you're going to find yourself spiritually, obviously, feeling better, although the study didn't say that. What is this one thing God wants for you? Are you ready? It's called Be generous generosity affects you physically in a positive way. Generosity uh, 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 mentally and emotionally affects you in a positive way. And so what we see is it produces what the University of Pittsburgh called two different things. One is called the warm glow effect. When you're generous, you have this warm glow, which by the way, the reason they use that term is because they actually, it, it, it affects your body. So your body begins to feel better. Your brain becomes more active. And so the warm glow effect happens when you and I are generous. Then it went on to say this, generosity gives you, and here's the term they used, the helper's high. The helper's high. Okay, I'm the only one, helper's high. Listen to what it said in that article. It said this, giving, generous giving, activates the part of the brain related to pleasure, trust, and relationships with others. We secrete important feel-good chemicals like serotonin, dopamine, oxytocin, and a rush that's often referred to as the helper's high. Now, what they found was this. It doesn't just uh, let those chemicals out. When you're generous, it gives you a rush of them. In other words, are you ready? It's God's way of getting high, and it's not bad. It's good for you. And my hope is you're going to walk around in the next few days getting high. And people are going to go, whoa, are you high? Yeah, I am. Dude, I mean, yeah, I've got a buzz, you know. But it's, 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 by the way, do you catch that God really wants it? And so, it, it, and so it's this rush of, of feeling good, this rush of well-being. Where I'm telling you is God wired you for this. God made you for this. God wants you for this. And so we see how true that is. Uh, Oxford University did a 20-year study on generosity. A 20-year study on generosity. And they found that it's good for you in the short term, and it's better for you even more in the long term generosity according to that study is linked to having better relationships more happiness a connection to something bigger than yourself in other words you're going to have a sense of awe and an awareness that you have a real purpose 
People who are generous don't question their purpose. They don't even think about questioning their purpose. They're so full of something we call life. And remember, Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and life abundantly. I've come that you might have a rich and satisfying life. But a lot of people aren't having that life. They're not able to do it. In the midst of all the reading, something just went, I went on an aha lightning strike moment. Some of you have heard this before, but listen, if you haven't, listen to this. Generosity is not transactional, it's transformational. Let me say that again because it's a big deal. Generosity is not transactional. It's not me giving you some money, giving you a gift card, giving. It's transformational. It transforms you. In the Bible, we call that discipleship. And a part of discipleship is that you and I would be generous. The Bible teaches that generosity changes you for the better. And by the way, I can say this and you already know it's true. Selfishness does not. Selfish people do not find themselves changed for the better. Selfish people don't get the the helper's high. Selfish people don't get that release of miracles that says, wow, things are great. Selfish people don't get that. And by the way, you can't be selfish and godly, and you can't be selfish and Christ-like, and you can't be selfish and truly be a disciple of Jesus. So you and I know how real this is and how true this is. So here's the question that I think is worth asking. Why are some people generous and others are not? And I've already told you the answer, and you already know it. Because some people are just selfish. They're just selfish. And uh, the Bible actually gives a generosity test. I'm going to give it to you in a minute. Uh, The Bible actually gives you a generosity test to know whether you're truly generous or not. Uh, And and it might surprise you. That that part might surprise you a little. But see, the problem we see right now is that too many people suffer from a selfish mentality, a selfish lifestyle. And, And what do we see them doing? They're investing in self and giving to self and not to others. And Jesus is clear. Jesus could not be clearer in saying that if anyone wants to come after me, they must what? Does anybody know? Deny, yeah, deny self, yeah. So can, here's the thing, you can't feed self and come after Jesus. You have to deny self. But what does Jesus say? Don't miss it. Then Jesus said to his disciples, by the way, remember this is to his disciples, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must. He must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. And then listen to what the Lord says. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? So when we think about this, the Lord is saying, do you know what we're talking about? Your soul, your very soul. And if you're going to have a soul that has life, that thrives, and by the way, that feeds into every other area of your being. He said, then you have to deny yourself. You have to come after me. You have to take up your cross, die to self, and live for me. And you and I know a part of that. 
And I would even say a big part of that is that I become a generous person and I live differently than the world does. And I experience that transformational aspect of what it means more than any kind of transactional one. So here's the thing. Most people feed self, not deny self. Uh, Most people live for instant gratification, not delayed gratification. By the way, delayed gratification makes life rich. Delayed gratification makes life rich. Uh, Let me give you a quick example of that. Uh, If you fast for 40 days and eat very, very simple, simple, simple type food, uh, at the end of 40 days, a piece of bread will feel like you're rich, right? Have you ever done like a a fast where you fast from all breads? Okay, anybody else? How many of you have done that? Okay, yeah, I'm about to do that, Mike. That's what we're coming up on. And at the end of that, just the smell of toast is like, ah. But, you know, isn't that true? When you practice delayed gratification, everything in life tastes better, feels better, is better. That's what Jesus is saying to you and I. So he said, I want you to understand that's what you were made for. That's what you were made to be like. But the world doesn't live that way. Uh, Let me show you uh, the cycle the world loves to live by. And the cycle the the world loves to live by, you earn money in some way, shape, or form, and then immediately you take care of yourself, uh, and you pay your rent, you pay your mortgage, uh, you pay, you know, your your credit card bills, way too many credit card bills. Uh, Uh, and you do all that, then if you have any of that left over, you use it on your own pleasure. And then you think, but after that, whatever's left over, I'll give some to God and some to others. And that's how the majority of people live. And then what do they do next? They hold their breath till they get their next paycheck because the average person in the United States, what? They live paycheck to paycheck. And they're not happy. And they never have enough. They never have enough. I can't tell you how many people I've talked to said, you know, one day, Pastor Chuck, I do plan to tithe. One day. When I finally earn more. Uh, One day I do plan to help other people. When I finally get more. And guess what? One day never comes. Never comes. Uh, But here's God's way of doing things. And you guys already know this, but I tell you, it's the cycle of blessing. Uh, God blesses you. The minute God gives you any kind of blessing, what do you do? You bless God and bless others. And then God, what does he do? He blesses you even more because it is more blessed to what? To give than to receive. So what happens is whenever you bless God, bless others, you get blessed and then you get more blessed. And when God blesses you even more blessing, what do you do? You turn around and bless God, bless others, and you get more blessed. And you live in this cycle of blessing. Now, some of you are going, but where am I in that cycle? You're not there. Because you what? Deny self. Now, do you pay your bills for sure? Do you do those things? Yes. But do you notice the focus is different? You're not even in the cycle. You're just, you're, you're in a, a midst of thinking about how can I be a blessing to God and a blessing to others? And so what happens? You have to put God and others ahead of self. And when you do that, you live your life very differently. You practice in a very real way what Jesus said. And then we live this life looking out not only for our own interests, but even more for the interests of others. Paul said this in Philippians 2, 3, and 4. Do nothing from selfishness. Did you grab that? Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility consider one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests. Now, you do need to do that. But he said, don't make sure, make sure that's not all you're doing. 
but also for the interest of others. Also for the interest of others. So when we deny self, we become selfless, not selfish. When we deny self, we're not greedy. Now this is a really big deal. We're not greedy. See, you don't have to have a lot to be greedy. It's just the mentality that you have or has you. And listen to what is said in Colossians 3, 5. Do not miss a word of this. Therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed. But look what greed says. Greed amounts to what? Now, don't, I really want you to think about this with me. Greed amounts to idolatry. What if uh, uh, during the Christmas season, you pulled up on campus and you saw this sitting at the center of the campus? How many of you would go, Pastor Chuck, that's a great idea. Nobody, is it? Nobody, right? What if you went up in the children's area and saw this? Now, everybody here, some of you are bothered I'm showing the picture in the building, right? Now, now, and, you, and I don't, I, I could get that. I do get that. There's no doubt you would say, Chuck, it's wrong that we have a statue of Buddha. It's wrong that we have a Hindu deity on our campus. That's idolatry and that's wrong. But let me tell you, well, number one, we'll never do that, okay? I promise we'll never do that. But it's just as wrong for you to have that in your heart. <clears throat> See, the Bible says when you're greedy, you're an idolater. Now, now, here's the thing. This property is dedicated to the Lord. But where is the temple of God? Where's the temple of God? Everybody know? It's you. So is it okay that you have inside you idols? See, in the Bible says, idolatry is greed. If you're greedy, you're not following Jesus, you're committing idolatry. If you're selfish, that means you're an idol worshiper. And what are you worshiping? You're worshiping yourself. You look in the mirror and go, there he is. I get up in the morning for you. And you walk around thinking about you and what's good for you. And, and, and that's what's on your mind. And, and then if you get real honest, you want everybody else to think about you too. You want to walk in the room and have them, there you are. Wow, life just got better because you're here. And you want everybody to give to you. See, too many people, actually, that's the mentality to live by. And God says, that's greed. That's idolatry, where we worship our desires, we worship our appetites. Uh, we are more interested in our comfort than we are in, in compassion, in building character. Uh, you very often might live your life based on what we call comparison. You know what? As you're looking at what everybody else has and asking this question, why don't I have that? And wanting more, wanting more, wanting more. Uh, by the way, very often we do that to our kids. We raise our kids to be that way. We raise our kids to think all the world should revolve around them. Uh, I've watched the, this culture change over the course of time. Uh, I'm old, okay, I'm an old guy. So let me tell you what it was like in my day. When I got in trouble at school and I came home and my dad found out, I got in more trouble. Now today, when a kid gets in trouble at school, then the parent goes and takes it out on the teacher. Now, I don't think that's a good way to go. You know why? Because we forgot to teach our kids character. And you can't teach your kid character and make them greedy. 
and feed them and feed them and feed them. You've got to teach them that life doesn't revolve around them. And too many people, you know what, they, we don't do that. You might say, well, I don't teach my kids that. Well, you may not intend to, but if in your mind, your life revolves around them, guess what? They start thinking they're the, all that. And you know what? The minute they start thinking that, it doesn't work. And what is the outcome? Let me ask you. What is the outcome now of a whole generation doing that over and over? Are kids happier today or more unhappy? What's the answer? Oh, they're more unhappy. Is there higher anxiety, lower anxiety, higher anxiety? You know why? That puts stress on them when they think the world is revolving around them. They're never meant to be worshipped. They're never meant to be worshipped. And you're not meant to be worshipped. And only in worshipping Jesus... Only in putting Jesus first and then loving other people will we ever live out what God has for us. The greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And so we need to do that. Then the second commandment is to what? Love what? Your neighbor. And that's the only way we're ever really going to be happy. So Jesus tells us that. Jesus wants us to know that. He said, but I've come for a very real purpose that you would have a rich and satisfying life. And that rich and satisfying life is in putting God first and others first. In Ephesians 5, it says this, For this you know with certainty, that no immoral or impure person or covetous man who is an idolater has an inheritance in the kingdom of God. Wow. He said, know that for certainty. Know that for certainty. He said, let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Don't be deceived into thinking you can be selfish and in the end, be who God wants you to be or be happy and have a rich and satisfying life. Then it says in verse 7, therefore do not be partakers with them for you were formerly in darkness but now you are in light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth. Trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. Notice don't be partakers with the rest of the world living that way and, and learn what pleases God. And what pleases God is when you, you're a generous person and you're, you're denying self and not feeding self. And we find God moving in an incredible way. And Jesus in Acts 20 verse 35 did say it is more blessed to give than receive. God's great desire is you live this blessed life, this incredible life that you have that way. And I hope that that you would be able to pass the generosity test. So let's now do the generosity test. If I were to ask, are you generous? I would think many of you go, yeah, I am. But here's the question, are you? Isaiah 32, 8. But generous people, look at that word, plan. Generous people plan to do what is generous and they stand firm in their generosity. If you do not have a generosity planned, you know what the Bible says? You're not generous. You know, if you go, well, I, I, you know, if I get 20 bucks, I'll give it away. That's haphazard generosity. And that's not truly generous. It's okay to do it. There will be a effect from it, but it won't be the effect God wants. You and I have to have a plan to be generous. And one of those 12 studies I read was from the University of Pittsburgh. And that study said something very interesting. They said that while all generosity has a benefit targeted generosity has a bigger benefit. Now, what do they mean by targeted generosity? They said it's a plan where I purposefully am giving. I'm purposefully doing something so someone else will benefit. 
targeted generosity has a longer-term positive effect on you, which is all it's saying is that that's what God said if you have a plan to be generous. So, by the way, Pam and I plan to be generous. Uh, we know anytime God blesses us with anything, we turn around and bless God. We give tithes to God and we give offerings to God. By the way, Pam and I, uh, we have two times a year minimum we give offerings to God, two minimum. One's at Christmas time, we always give an offering to the Lord. The other's at the end of our 40 day fast at Easter time, we always give an offering to the Lord. And, and by the way, we look forward to it. We pray about it, we plan for it, we save for it, and, and we rejoice in it. This year, October the 24th, that's a big generosity day for Pam and I. And I'm hoping for you. I'm hoping for you. Now, why is that? It's the fourth Sunday in this series. And our elders got together, and, and we, with the leather leaders of our church staff, we decided if we're going to ask you to be generous, we need to be generous. Now, the church, as a church, we already are generous. So we do give. We give to Kenya, we give to Thailand, we give uh, to, to people in this area. But we decided we got to up the game. So on October the 24th, I want to tell you what we're going to do. We're going to do this together. We're going to ask everybody to give an offering to God and then 50% of whatever comes in is going outside our walls to help other people. Now, now we have been in contact with some amazing organizations that are doing some amazing, amazing work. Uh, they're helping refugees learn English. They're, hel English. they're helping foster kids. They're helping uh, people who are part, uh, suffering from domestic abuse. They're domestic abuse victims. Uh, they're helping homeless. They're helping so many more people find hope in this area and a few outside this area. And so we got into contact with those organizations and we said, tell us what you need. And they came back and said right now, and they, 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 the total came out to $200,000. And we thought, what if on October 24th, all of us together give a special offering to God and we're able to give $200,000 and take care of those needs and change the lives of thousands and thousands. Would you guys love to do that? Yeah, yeah I want us to do that. So we are super excited about that. And by the way, we didn't promise them yet. We said, you know what, we're going to pray about it. We'll see what our church family wants to do. But I want to tell you, I think it'd be incredible. And so Pam and I, of course, had a heads up before you, and we've already been praying about our amount. We've been praying about what God would want us to do because we, we want to go to God about that. By the way, it's interesting. You might say, how biblical is this? Paul was talking to the Corinthian church, and he said, I want you guys to do this. I want you guys to do the very same thing we're going to do. And listen to when he was talking about them setting aside money that would not go to them and to the work they were doing, but go outside to, to the other saints, other Christians that were doing work. He said this, he said in verse 5, so I thought I should send these brothers ahead of me to make sure the gift you promised is ready. They had a, a date they were supposed to give it, give their offering, and he said, I want you to make sure it's ready on that date. And he goes, but I want you... I want it to be a willing gift, not one given grudgingly. By the way, I don't want you to do it grudgingly. I want you to pray about it and rejoice and do it willingly. Verse 6, remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. So you each must decide to do in your heart how much to give. 
So I'm not telling you how much to give. I'm saying pray about it like Pam and I are. Pray about it like our elders are. Pray about it and and say, God, what do you want me to do? But each one must pray about it uh, and decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. Verse 10, for God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Isn't that interesting? The Lord says, I'm going to increase your resources. Why? So you can have a greater gift of generosity. And verse 11, yes, you will be rich, enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. Isn't it interesting? The Lord said, I want to enrich you in every way. Why? So you can be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. Paul said to the Corinthians, we're going to do that. We're going to give outside of ourselves. And when we do that, they're going to thank God. Let me say this, Crossroads. When we as a Crossroads family do this, thousands and thousands and thousands of people, they're not going to thank us. Who are they going to thank? They're going to thank God. They're going to thank God. And I love that we're a church that's going to do that. I love that we're a church that's going to make that kind of a difference. October 24th, I don't know anybody else who will circle that date other than us, but we're going to have an October 24th day that's going to be incredible. And I believe God's going to do amazing things with that, incredible things with that. And I believe we're going to be a church that not only blesses God, we're going to bless others. And whenever you bless God and bless others, what happens? You get blessed. And that's my prayer for you. That's my hope for you, that you're going to get blessed. And when you get blessed, you're blessed to be a what? Oh, let's try it together. You're blessed to be a? And I want you blessed. I want you blessed. So God, today, as our church family gets ready to do something we believe, uh, could, could change the life of thousands and thousands in this area and beyond. I pray, oh God, that you would just reveal to each one of us our part in this. Uh, and I know every person's part is going to matter. And so it's not about the amount, it's about the heart, it's about the attitude, it's about the the open hands that just say to you how we want to do that, how we want to be free, how we want to go out and bless other people. So Lord, I pray you'll prepare us. I pray you'll, you'll tell us. I pray you'll move in our hearts. I pray you'll provide for us. I pray there's some people here right now, you're about to give them a special blessing so they can even be a bigger part of this. So I pray that's coming from you right now, Lord. That's what we pray. We pray that in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you stand together? As you leave today, may the hand of God be upon you. May his love be within you. May he fuel you with joy. And may he give you opportunities to practice amazing generosity. And when that happens, may you get the helpers high. So may you get really high and buzzed this week and beyond. God bless you and have a great day. Wow, wow, what a powerful message that was. And if you said yes to Jesus and you prayed that prayer earlier on in our service, I want to encourage you to text the word yeah, amen to 77247. Amen to 77247. So we come alongside you on this journey.
Adam because we have an actual full team of people that reads through all of those comments and all of those prayer requests and is intentional in this next week to make sure and do that and prayer for you on your guys' behalf. Uh, so we're really excited about that. So make sure to do that. Yes, and if this message added any value to your life, make sure you hit that subscribe button on our YouTube page so you could miss, not miss out on any messages we put out later on in the coming weeks and months. Yes, and so we are live at 7 p.m. on Wednesdays every week and also on Sundays at 9 a.m. and on demand after that. Yes, so thank you so much again for joining us today. We love you guys, and we'll see you next week. Bye.